The scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and 14. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Gradius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living in out of the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is the word of the Lord. Things are 
Maybe you feel that when you look at what's happening in our world or in our culture. It seems that the world is, is drifting farther and farther away from the ways of God. Or maybe you feel that way when you look at your own life and there's just so many discouraging things happening. You ever feel like things are dark, right? It was a dark moment when Christ came. And so one thing that this reminds us is darkness cannot stop Jesus. Amen? Darkness has no power. Hear me. Darkness has no power to stop the light of Christ from shining. Caesar could be on his throne. It doesn't matter. that The entire world could be a subject to his decree. It doesn't matter. The people of God can be uprooted in his whim and forced to travel to places they, they do not want to go. It doesn't matter. The darkness, isn't this wonderful news? The darkness has no power to stop the light of Christ from shining. Jesus was born. When was he born? When things were born. And I wonder if uh, John had that in mind, the, the, the gospel writer, when he wrote the prologue to his gospel. John chapter 1 starts this way. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Who's that talking about? Talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life, John says, was the light of all mankind. And then John says this, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We, we could add to that, the darkness will not overcome it. Or we could even go further and say, the darkness cannot overcome if you're kind of feeling like your life is dark or the world is dark or things are dreary right now and, 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 uh, and dim, listen, when was Jesus born? Well, the light of Christ, remember this, the light of Christ came crashing into this world, flooding all of creation with the grace and power of God. When? Well, when things were about as dark as they could possibly be. That's when he was born. Now, where, where was Jesus born? Well, we all know he was born in the little town of Bethlehem. Not Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, sonny. Not, no, they just went there. He was born in Bethlehem, right? And some of you know that uh, his birth in Bethlehem had been predicted by the prophet Micah. Micah chapter 5 foretells that the Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. We know that, right? But I'm not convinced that Joseph and Mary knew that. You read in Matthew chapter 2 the story of the, the wise men, the Magi, who traveled to Jerusalem. Remember, they come to Jerusalem from, from the far east, and then when they get to that city, they go around asking everyone, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? In other words, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And remember, nobody knows the answer. Isn't that strange? Nobody in Jerusalem really knew that. They're the, the whole city is, is troubled by this king, Herod himself, very educated man. He did not know the answer to that. Finally, Herod sends for the Bible experts, those with the PhD in biblical studies, you know, the, the scribes and, and, and the chief priests, and he asks them the question, where is the Messiah to be born? And they finally get the answer. The Bible experts say, oh, he's to be born in Bethlehem. I find that intriguing. 
Now, there's, there's one place in the, in the Gospel of John where some people seem to have been aware of that prophecy. But, but judging from Matthew's Gospel, it, it, it seems to me that it was only the, the highly trained, the educated elite, the intelligentsia. They were the ones who had studied Micah. So it was the Bible experts who knew that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. Apparently, however, common people were not in possession of that piece of knowledge. Well, what kind of people were Joseph and Mary? They were common people, right? They were poor, simple peasants from a small town, no formal education. Very possibly they themselves were illiterate. Now, an angel had told them that Mary would give birth to the Messiah, but I think there's a very good chance that they had no idea the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem, or at least from, from Luke's account, it, it, there's no indication in this text that they were going to Bethlehem because they knew the Messiah has to be born there. No, the only reason they're going to Bethlehem is because this wicked dictator had uprooted their life and told them that's where they have to go, right? So I want you to think about that. Put yourself in Joseph and Mary's shoes or their sandals. I don't know. Just think what it looked like from their perspective. From their perspective, it must have felt like nothing in their lives was turning out the way it was supposed to. I wonder if you've ever felt that way, like just everything's gone wrong. This is not what I envisioned. None of my plans are, are working out. Nothing in my life is turning out the way it was supposed to. I can just imagine that's how they felt. Just imagine Joseph and Mary as they travel along. They're thinking to themselves, we are supposed to be in Nazareth. Why are we heading to Bethlehem? We are supposed to be with our family. Why are we among strangers? We're supposed to be at home where it's safe and comfortable. Why is Mary giving birth to our child in this dirty barn, in this stable? You see, from their perspective, it must have felt like nothing was the way it was supposed to be. But isn't this, isn't this amazing? From God's perspective, he was arranging things, moving the heart even of the most powerful man in the Roman Empire, orchestrating things to get them exactly where he had foretold centuries before that his son was supposed to be born. Isn't that just amazing? And what do we learn from this? Well, we learn that our God is sovereign. Have you heard that before? Our God is a sovereign God. You know what that means? It means that God knows the end from the very beginning. It means that nothing ever, ever, ever takes our God by surprise. It, it, means, it means that God's purposes will be fulfilled, and it means that God's decrees will be accomplished. That if you find that in the Bible. For example, Isaiah 46, verse 10. This is what God said about himself. God says this, I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, I make known what is still to come. I say, God says, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Even when, like, uh, like Joseph and Mary, you just feel like nothing in your life is turning out the way it's supposed to. Listen, even in moments like that, God is in control. He knows what he's doing. Like with them, he's getting you where he knows you're supposed to be. Prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was, uh, he lived in a time when the people of Judah had been uh, 
conquered by the armies of Babylon and many of the people of Judah had been taken off into captivity. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, God spoke to Jeremiah and said, I want you to write a letter to those people who are off in captivity and I want you to give them my message. So Jeremiah writes this letter, sends it to these people in captivity and the message was not what they hoped to hear. They, they, they were in captivity, but they had this assumption, this, this time of discouragement, this will not last very long. Very quickly, God will return us back to our, back to our homeland. This, this captivity, it can't last very long. It can't last long. God will bring us home soon. And God's message to them through Jeremiah contained in this letter was, hunker down, dig in, get settled. It's going to be a long time. Long build houses, start businesses, raise your family. God, God's word was, you're, you're hoping this trial is not going to last long, but you will not be back home for 70 years. Which meant, except for the very youngest among them, you will not be back home. Can you imagine how crushing it must have been for them to hear that message? Just crushing. Have you ever, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever received crushing message? Maybe news that a spouse has been unfaithful, or news that a child is wandering from the Lord. Maybe a diagnosis of cancer. Maybe that call, two in the morning, informing you that a loved one has, has passed away. There's just, there, there are moments in life when you receive news and you just feel like it will never be the same again. I've just been crushed. If you've ever been in a situation like that, you understand how those Judean Catholics felt when they heard this word from Jeremiah. Well, listen, it's right in the very middle of that letter that Jeremiah said to them, right in the middle of that really difficult message that we find what I think is one of the most beautiful promises that God ever makes to his people in the whole Bible. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, right in the middle of that message, God says this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Listen, when God says, I know the plans that I have for you, you know what that means? God is saying, listen, you might not understand at all what is happening in your life, but I know, right? You might feel like everything is out of control, nothing's working out, but God says, no, I have plans. I'm at work, I have plans. I'm in control. I am sovereign. Now, in uh, Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul said that anyone who has come to place their faith in Jesus Christ can claim those truths as God's promises for them. That's, that's what he said, Romans 8, 28. He said this. Do you know this verse? He said, we know that in all things, all things, not some things, not even most things, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And this is what Joseph and Mary learned. It, maybe they didn't learn it for years until after it happened, but it, from their perspective, it felt like everything's wrong. Why are we on the road to Bethlehem? And all the while, God is saying, I know the plans I have for you. This, 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 is, this is all part of the plan. <laughs> I am in control. 
So, when was Jesus born? He was born when it was about as dark as it could get. Where was he was born? Where was he born? He was born exactly where God wanted him. Now, why was he born? Do you know the answer to that? We've been singing about that all morning. He was born to be our Savior. Isn't that what the, the, the angel said to the shepherds? They said, verse 10, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus was born to be our Savior. What does it mean that he's our Savior? It means that he came to rescue us. He is a rescuer. Have you, ever, have you ever been on hand to see someone rescued? Maybe there was a fire and you saw the fireman go into the building and bring somebody out before it was too late. Or maybe you're at the beach. I've seen this where someone has been carried out by the current and the lifeguards go out and they pull them back in. You know, in a situation like that, the, the, the individual being rescued is absolutely helpless. There's nothing they can do to save ourselves. You know, the Bible says that's the situation we're in. There's nothing we could ever do, ever do, to atone for our guilt before God, to fix our brokenness within, to, to, to rescue ourselves from our own sin and shame and guilt. There's nothing. We're like somebody being carried out by the current at the beach. But Jesus was born to be our Savior. There are some places where people would say amen to that. Jesus was born to be our Savior. Amen. Thank you. Help me. It's Christmas. I was up late last night. He came to rescue us. Not make fun of us. John, John 3.17 says this. And some of you need to hear this. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come here to point out all our flaws. He didn't come here to tell us how messed up we are. He didn't come here to make fun of us or shame us. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that through him the world might be saved. That's why he was born. Born born thy people to deliver. We sing that. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom he came to rescue us. Can you imagine somebody being carried out by the current at the beach? They're, 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 they're flailing with their arms. They're about to go down for the last time. And the lifeguards come. The rescuers come. And they, and they say, no, thanks. No, thanks. I think I can work this out on my own. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be foolish? It's, it's just as foolish to say to Jesus, no, thanks. Eh, I'll rescue myself. Don't do that, please. All, all he's asking to be your rescuer, to be your savior, all he's asking is for you just to say, Jesus, save me. Save me. I, I, I need it. Oh, boy, do I need it. Just to, to turn from and confess your brokenness and sin to him and say, Jesus, if you came to be a savior, here's someone that needs it. Save me. And trust him to do that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the news of, of Christmas. We can't imagine better news that you loved us so much that you moved heaven and earth.
to orchestrate all the events, to bring your son at just the right time and just the right place, to be a savior for us. We pray that this Christmas, by your spirit, you would grant to each one of us grace to respond to that news with faith and with joy and with hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.